Section six of National Geographic Magazine, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Schempf. An Expedition to Mount St. Elias, Alaska, by Israel C. Russell, Part one. Previous explorations in the St. Elias region. Bering, seventeen forty one. The first discovery of the southern coast of Alaska was made by Vitus Bering and Alexei Chirikov in the vessels St. Peter and St. Paul in 1741. On July 20th of that year, Bering saw the mountains of the mainland, but anchored his vessel at Kayak Island, 180 miles west of Yakutat Bay without touching the continental shore. A towering snow-clad summit northeast of Kayak Island was named Mount St. Elias after the patron saint of the day cook seventeen seventy eight the next explorer to visit this portion of alaska was captain james cook who sailed past the entrance of yakutat bay on may fourth seventeen seventy eight thinking that this was the bay in which bering anchored he named it bering's bay mount st elias was seen in the northwest at the distance of forty leagues but no attempt was made to measure its height la perouse seventeen eighty six Yakutat Bay, in which we are specially interested, was next seen by the celebrated French navigator J. F. G. de la Perouse in command of the frigates La Bassoule and L'Astrolabe on June 23, 1786. The chart showing the route followed by La Perouse during this portion of his voyage is reproduced in Plate Three. In the splendid atlas accompanying the narrative of his travels, the explorer pictures the quaint high-poop vessels in which he circumnavigated the globe these french frigates were the first to cruise off yakutat bay the last vessel to navigate those waters was the united states revenue steamer corwin which took our little exploring party on board in september eighteen ninety and then steamed northward to the ice cliffs at the head of disenchantment bay so far as i am aware the Corwin is the only vessel that has floated on the waters of that inlet north of Hankey Island. One hundred years has made a revolution in naval architecture, but has left this portion of the Alaska coast still unexplored. La Perouse sailed northward from the Sandwich Islands, and first saw land which proved to be a portion of the St. Elias Range on June 23rd. At first the shore was obscured by fog, which, as stated in the narrative of the voyage, suddenly disappearing all at once disclosed to us a long chain of mountains covered with snow which if the weather had been clear we would have been able to see thirty leagues farther off we discovered bearings mount st elias the summit of which appeared above the clouds the first view of the land is described as not awakening the feelings of joy which usually accompany the first view of an unknown shore after a long voyage to quote the navigator's own words those immense heaps of snow which covered a barren land without trees were far from agreeable to our view the mountains appeared a little remote from the sea which broke against a bold and level land elevated about a hundred and fifty to two hundred fathoms this black rock which appeared as if calcined by fire destitute of all verdure formed a striking contrast to the whiteness of the snow which was perceptible through the clouds it served as the base to a long ridge of mountains which appeared to stretch fifteen leagues from east to west at first we thought ourselves very near it the summit of the mountains appeared to be just over our heads 
and the snow cast forth a brightness calculated to deceive eyes not accustomed to it but in proportion as we advanced we perceived in front of that high ground hillocks covered with trees which we took for islands after some delay on account of foggy weather an officer was dispatched to the newly discovered land but on returning he reported that there was no suitable anchorage to be found it is difficult at this time to understand the reason for this adverse report unless a landing was attempted on the western side of yakutat bay where there are no harbors the name bay de monte was given to the inlet in honor of de monte the officer who first landed the location of this bay as described in the narrative and indicated on the map accompanying the report of the voyage shows that it corresponds with the yakutat bay of modern maps observations made at this time by m d'aglet the astronomer of the expedition determine the elevation of mount st elias to be one thousand nine hundred and eighty toises considering the toise as equivalent to six point three nine four five nine english feet this measurement places the elevation of the mountain at twelve thousand six hundred and sixty feet what method was used in making this measurement is not recorded and we have therefore no means of deciding the degree of confidence to be placed in it after failing to find an anchorage at yakutat bay la perouse sailed eastward and on june twenty ninth discovered another bay which he supposed to be the inlet named bearings bay by captain cook it will be remembered that cook's bearings bay is yakutat bay as now known it is evident that the french navigator made an error in his identification as the inlet designated as bearings bay on his chart corresponds with that now known as dry bay on the maps referred to a stream is represented as emptying into the head of this bay and rising a long distance northward this is evidently alsek river the existence of which was for a long time doubted but has recently been established beyond all question finding it impossible to enter dry bay la perouse continued eastward and discovered latouille bay as now known but which he named port de frances here his ships anchored after experiencing great difficulty in entering the harbor and remained for many days during which trade was carried out with the indians while surveys were made of the adjacent shores dixon seventeen eighty seven although the actual discovery of yakutat bay is to be credited to the french the first exploration of its shores was made by an english captain on may twenty third seventeen eighty seven captain george dixon anchored his vessel the queen charlotte within the shelter of its southeastern cape and in honor of constance john phipps lord mulgrave named the haven there discovered port mulgrave the harbor is described in the narrative of dixon's voyage as being entirely surrounded by low flat islands where scarcely any snow could be seen and well sheltered from any winds whatever the voyage of the queen charlotte was not made for the purpose of increasing geographic knowledge but with a commercial object trade was at once opened with the natives but resulted less favorably than was desired as only sixteen sea otter skins and a few less valuable furs were secured on the chart accompanying the narrative of dixon's voyage the inlet now known as yakutat bay is named admiralty bay a survey of the adjacent shores and inlets was made and the astronomical position of the anchorage was approximately determined the map resulting from these surveys the first ever made of any portion of yakutat bay is reproduced on a reduced scale as plate four at the time of dixon's voyage 
the inhabitants numbered about seventy including men women and children and were thus described they are of about middle size their limbs straight and well shaped but like the rest of the inhabitants we have seen on the coast are particularly fond of painting their faces with a variety of colors so that it is not any easy matter to discover their real complexion an amusing instance is narrated of inducing a woman to wash her face when it was discovered that her countenance had all the cheerful glow of an english milkmaid and the healthy red which flushed her cheeks was even beautifully contrasted with the whiteness of her neck her eyes were black and sparkling her eyebrows the same color and most beautifully arched her forehead so remarkably clear that the transparent veins were seen meandering even in their minutest branches in short she was what would be reckoned as handsome even in england the symmetry of her features however was marred at least in the eyes of her english admirer by the habit of wearing a labrette in the slit of her lower lip during our recent visit to port mulgrave we did not find the native women answering to the glowing description of the voyageur who discovered the harbour but this may be owing to the fact that we did not prevail upon any of them to wash their faces one other discrepancy must be noted between the records of dixon's voyage and my own observations made one hundred years later the houses of the natives are described in the narrative just cited as the most wretched hovels that can possibly be conceived a few poles stuck in the ground without order or regularity recrossed and covered with loose boards quite insufficient to keep out the snow and rain while this description would apply to the temporary shelters now used by the yakutat indians when on their summer hunting and fishing expeditions it by no means described the houses in which they passed the winter these are large and substantially built of planks hewn from spruce trees and in some instances supported from the inside by four huge posts carved and painted to represent grotesque figures in the centre of the roof there is a large opening through which the smoke escapes from the fire kindled in an open space in the floor but few of the indian villages of alaska excepting perhaps the homes of the clinkets in the alexandrian archipelago are better built or more comfortable than those at port mulgrave on the map of port mulgrave already referred to point turner and point carew appear the former was named for the second mate of the queen charlotte who was the first of her officers to land the second name was probably designed to honor another officer of the expedition but of this i am not positive douglas seventeen eighty eight in seventeen eighty eight another trading vessel the ship iphigenia in command of captain douglas visited the southern shore of alaska and anchored in yakutat bay but no special account of the country or of the inhabitants is recorded in the narrative of the voyage malaspina seventeen ninety two about a hundred years ago the interest felt by the maritime nations of europe in a northwest passage connecting the northern atlantic with the northern pacific was revived by the renewal of the discussion as to the authenticity of maldonado's reported discovery of the strait of annan the western entrance to this strait was supposed to be about in the position of yakutat bay spain in particular after three hundred years of exploration and discovery in all parts of the world was still anxious to extend her conquests and if possible to discover the long-sought northwest passage two of her ships the descubierta and the atrevida were then at alcapulco in command of don alejandro malaspina 
who was engaged in a voyage of discovery malaspina like columbus was a native of italy in the service of spain orders were sent to him to cruise northward and test the truth of maldonado's report the narrative of this voyage is supposed to have been written by don dionisio aliala galliano but his name does not appear on the title page still more curious is the fact that malaspina's name is omitted from the narrative of his own voyage on his return to spain he was thrown into prison on account of court intrigues and his discoveries were suppressed for many years malaspina left el capulco on the first of may seventeen ninety one and reached the vicinity of the present site of sitka on june twenty fifth two days later mount fairweather or monte buen tiempo as it was designated on spanish maps was sighted continuing northwestward the entrance to yakutat bay was reached the opening through the first range of mountains at its head seemed to correspond to maldonado's description of the entrance to the mythical strait of annan the eastern shore of yakutat bay called admiralty bay on the spanish chart was explored and an excursion was made in boats into disenchantment bay as far as hankey island disenchantment bay as the name appears on modern charts was named desengano bay by malaspina as previously stated in allusion to the frustration of his hopes on not finding a passage leading to the atlantic explorations in disenchantment bay were checked by ice which descended from the north and filled all of the inlets north of hankey island this is indicated on the map forming plate seven page sixty eight which is reproduced from the atlas accompanying the narrative of malaspina's voyage special interest attaches to this map for the reason that by comparing it with that forming plate eight page seventy five made one hundred years later the retreat of the glaciers during that interval can be determined at the time of malaspina's expedition the hubbard and dalton glaciers were united and were probably also joined by some of the neighboring glaciers which do not now reach tidewater the whole forming a confluent ice stream which occupied all of disenchantment bay northeast of hankey island a portion of the general map of the coast of southern alaska showing the route followed by the descubierta and the atrevida and depicting the topography of the adjacent shores has been reproduced in plate five it will be noted that on this map the tuya bay is called point des frances while dry bay is designated as Bering's bay these and other names were adopted from the maps of la perouse the map of bahia de monte from malaspina's report is reproduced in plate six an extract from galliano's account of malaspina's discoveries in yakutat and disenchantment bays translated by robert stein of the u s geological survey is here inserted in order that the reader may be able to form an independent judgment of the value of the evidence just referred to as bearing on the retreat of the glaciers an observatory was established on the shore and some absolute altitudes were taken in order to furnish a basis for the reckoning of the watches but the great concourse of indians their importunity and their thievishness made it necessary to transfer all the instruments on board still the latitude was determined the watches were regulated the number of oscillations made by simple pendulum was observed and the height of mount st elias was measured being six thousand five hundred and seven point six varus seventeen thousand eight hundred and forty seven feet above sea level the launches being ready put to sea on july second with the commander of the expedition in order to reconnoitre the channel promised by the opening similar to that depicted by ferrer maldonado in his voyage 
but the small force of the tide noticed at the entrance and the indications of the natives made it plain not only that the desired passage did not exist there but that the extent of that channel was very short which was also rendered evident by the perpetual frost covering the inner west shore the launches anchored there having penetrated into the channel with great difficulty yours being clogged by the floating masses of snow they measured a base made some marks gathered various objects and stones for the naturalists and having reached the line of perpetual frost returned to the bay where they had anchored there they observed the latitude to be fifty nine degrees fifty nine minutes thirty seconds and six azimuths of the sun which gave the variation of the needle as thirty two degrees forty nine minutes before leaving that anchorage the commander buried a bottle with record of the reconnaissance and possession taken in the name of the king they called the harbor desengano the opening bahia de las bancas and the island in the interior hanke in memory of d tadeo hanke botanist and naturalist of the expedition on the third day they set out on their voyage to mulgrave where they arrived on the sixth after reconnoitering various channels and islands north of that port and mapping them following the portion of the narrative above quoted there is an account of the natives containing much information of interest to ethnologists but which is not necessary to follow in a geographic report on july fifth the corvette sailed westward and made a reconnaissance as far as montague island returning eastward they again sighted mount st elias on july twenty second on the twenty eighth they were three leagues west of the capes which terminated in bering bay dry bay the mountain of that name being about five leagues distant from the coast and rising five thousand three hundred and sixty eight point three varas fourteen thousand seven hundred and twenty two feet above the sea level and in latitude fifty nine degrees zero minutes forty two seconds and longitude two degrees four minutes from port mulgrave mount bering does not appear on any map that i have seen which of the numerous high peaks in the vicinity of dry bay should be designated by that name remains to be determined in a record of the astronomical work of malaspina's expedition there are some interesting observations on the position and elevation of mount st elias a translation of which by mr stein is given here true longitude of mulgrave west of cadiz one hundred and thirty three degrees twenty four minutes twelve seconds on the same day the thirtieth of june seventeen ninety two at the observatory of mulgrave at six hours thirty minutes in the morning the true altitude of the sun was observed to be sixteen degrees fourteen minutes twenty seconds and its inclination being twenty three degrees eleven minutes thirty seconds and the latitude fifty nine degrees thirty four minutes twenty seconds the true azimuth of the sun from north to east was concluded to be seventy one degrees forty three minutes zero seconds but having measured on the same occasion with the theodolite one hundred and ten degrees thirty three minutes from the sun's vertical to the vertical of mount st elias the difference between these two quantities is the astronomic azimuth hence from the observatory of mulgrave said mountain bears north thirty eight degrees fifty minutes west a distance of fifty five point one miles deduced by means of good observations from the ends of a sufficient base a quadrant was used to measure the angle of apparent altitude of the mountain two degrees thirty eight minutes six seconds and allowing for terrestrial refraction which is one-tenth of the distance of fifty five point one miles the true altitude was found to be two degrees thirty four minutes thirty nine seconds 
whence its elevation above sea level was concluded to be two thousand seven hundred and ninety three toises seventeen thousand eight hundred and sixty feet and the length of the tangent to the horizon one hundred and fifty two miles allowance being made for the increases due to terrestrial refraction lastly with the room or astronomic azimuth and the distance from the observatory of mulgrave to mount st elias it was ascertained that that mountain was forty three minutes fifteen seconds to the north and one degree nine minutes to the west whence its latitude is found to be sixty degrees seventeen minutes thirty five seconds and its longitude one hundred and thirty four degrees thirty three minutes ten seconds west of cadiz taking the longitude of cadiz as six degrees nineteen minutes seven seconds west san sebastian lighthouse the longitude of st elias from this determination would be one hundred and forty degrees fifty two minutes seventeen seconds west vancouver seventeen ninety four the next vessels to visit yakutat bay after malaspina's voyage so far as known were the discovery and the chatham under command of captain george vancouver this voyage increased knowledge of the geography of southern alaska more than any that preceded it and was also of greater importance than any single expedition of later date to that region the best maps of southern alaska published at the present day are based largely on the surveys of vancouver the discovery under the immediate command of vancouver and the chatham in charge of peter puget cruised eastward along the southern coast of alaska in seventeen ninety four the discovery passed the entrance to yakutat bay without stopping but the chatham anchored there and important surveys were carried on under puget's directions on june twenty eighth the discovery was in the vicinity of icy bay where the shore of the ocean seemed to be composed of solid ice eastward from icy bay the coast is described as bordered by lowlands rising with a gradual and uniform ascent to the foothills of lofty mountains whose summits are but the base from which mount st elias towers magnificently into the regions of perpetual frost a low projecting point on the northwest side of the entrance to yakutat bay was named point manby the coast beyond this toward the northeast became less wooded and seemed to produce only a brownish vegetation which farther eastward entirely disappeared the country was then bare and composed of loose stones the narrative contains an interesting account of the grand coast scenery from st elias to the eastern end of the fairweather range but this does not at present claim attention while the chatham continued her cruise eastward puget ascended yakutat bay nearly to its head and also navigated some of the channels between the islands along its eastern shore a cape on the eastern side where the bay penetrates the first range of foothills was named point latouche but the same landmark had previously been designated punta de la esperanza by malaspina the bay at the head of the inlet which malaspina had named desengano was named Diggs sound after one of the officers of the chatham boats were sent to explore this inlet but found it closed from side to side by a firm compact body of ice beyond which to the back of the ice a small inlet appeared to extend north fifty five degrees east about a league these observations confirmed those made by malaspina and indicated on a chart reproduced on plate seven where the ice front is represented as reaching as far south as hankey island the evidence furnished by malaspina and vancouver as to the former extent of the glaciers at the head of yakutat bay is in harmony with the observations made by vancouver's party in icy strait and cross sound 
Early in July, 1794, these straits were found to be heavily encumbered with floating ice. At the present time, but little ice is met with in that region. On Vancouver's charts, there is no indication that he was aware of the existence of Glacier Bay, although one of his officers, in navigating Icy Strait, passed its immediate entrance. These records, although somewhat indefinite and of negative character, indicate that the fields of floating ice at the mouth of Glacier Bay were much more extensive a hundred years ago than at present, but they do not show where the glaciers of that region formerly terminated. After the return of the Chatham's boats from the explorations of Disenchantment Bay, an exploration of the eastern shore of Yakutat Bay was made. The following extract indicates the character of the work done there. Digg Sound, Disenchantment Bay, was the only place in the bay that presented the least prospect of any interior navigation, and this was necessarily very limited by the close-connected range of lofty snowy mountains that stretched along the coast at no great distance from the seaside. Mr. Puget's attention was next directed to the opening in the lowland, but as the wind was variable and adverse to the progress of the vessel, a boat was again dispatched to continue the investigation of these shores, which are compact from Point Latouche, and were then free from ice. This opening was found to be formed by an island about two miles long, in a direction south fifty degrees east, and north fifty degrees west, and about a mile broad, lying at the distance of about a half a mile from the mainland. Opposite to the south part of this, named by Mr. Puget Knight's Island, is Eleanor's Cove, which is the eastern extremity of Bering's Yakutat Bay, in latitude 59 degrees 44 minutes, longitude 220 degrees 51 minutes. Knight's Island admits of a navigable passage all round it, but there is an islet situated between it and the mainland on its northeast side. From Eleanor's Cove, the coast takes a direction south 30 degrees west, about six miles to the east point of a channel leading to the southwest between the continent and some islands that lie off it this was considered to lead along the shores of the mainland to point mulgrave and in the event of its proving navigable the examination of the bay would have been complete and the vessel brought to our appointed place of meeting which was now supposed to be no very great distance in endeavouring to reach port mulgrave by a channel leading between the islands on the eastern side of the bay and the mainland the Chatham grounded, and was gotten off with considerable difficulty. Many observations concerning the geography and the natives are recorded in the narrative of this exploration. Belcher, 1837. The next account of explorations around Yakutat Bay that has come to hand is by Sir Edward Belcher, who visited that coast in Her Majesty's ship Sulphur in 1837. In the narrative of this voyage, a brief account is given of the icy cliffs at Icy Bay which are stated to have a height of about thirty feet and to present the appearance of veined marble where the ice was exposed to the sea it was excavated into alcoves and archways recalling to the narrator's mind the chalk cliffs of england point rio as named by vancouver was not recognized and the inference seems to be that it was formed of ice and was dissolved away between visits of vancouver and belcher accompanying the narrative of belcher's voyage is an illustration showing mount st elias as it appears from the sea near icy bay which represents the mountain more accurately than some similar pictures published more recently the sulphur anchored in port mulgrave but no account is given of the character of the surrounding country tebenkoff eighteen fifty two tebenkoff's notes which are often referred to by writers on alaska consist principally of compilations of reports of russian traders 
which were intended to accompany and explain an atlas of the shores of northwestern america published in eighteen fifty two in st petersburg and in sitka map number seven of the atlas represents the southern coast of alaska from latuya bay westward to icy bay on the same sheet there is a more detailed chart of the islands along the eastern border of yakutat bay the height of st elias is given as seventeen thousand feet its position latitude sixty one degrees two minutes six seconds and longitude one hundred and forty degrees four minutes distant thirty miles from the sea it is stated that in eighteen thirty nine the mountain began at times to smoke through a crater on its southeastern slope at the time of an earthquake at sitka eighteen forty seven it is said to have emitted flames and ashes it will be seen from the account of the exploration carried on last summer that mount st elias is composed of stratified rocks with no indication of volcanic origin and these reports of eruption must consequently be considered erroneous the low country between mount st elias and the sea is described by tebenkoff as a tundra covered with forest and grass through cracks in the gravelly soil ice could be seen underneath more recent knowledge shows that this statement is also erroneous the adjacent ocean is stated to be shallow with shelving bottom at a distance of half a verst five to twelve fathoms were obtained and at two miles from land thirty to forty fathoms of seven feet the pimpluno rocks are said to have been discovered in seventeen seventy nine by the spanish captain artiega they were also seen in seventeen ninety four by the helmsman talon on the ship orel and named after his vessel these observations are interesting and indicate possibly that there may be submerged moraines in the region where these rocks are reported to exist many other observations are recorded concerning the mountains and the bays in the vicinity of yakutat while of interest to navigation and to geographers these have no immediate connection with the region explored during the recent expedition the united states coast and geodetic survey eighteen seventy four eighteen eighty nine the surveys carried on in eighteen seventy four by the united states coast survey on the shores of alaska embraced the region about yakutat bay these were conducted by w h dahl and marcus baker besides the survey of the coastline determinations were made of the heights and positions of several mountain peaks between glacier bay and cook inlet dahl's account of this survey contains a brief sketch of previous explorations and a summary of the measurements of the higher peaks of the region this material has been used on another page in discussing the height of mount st elias besides the geographic data gathered by the united states coast survey many observations were made on geology and on the glaciers of the region about yakutat bay and mount st elias exception must be taken in the light of more recent explorations to some of the conclusions reached in this connection as will appear in the chapter devoted to geology and glaciers a description of the st elias region in the pacific coast pilot supplements the paper in the coast survey report for eighteen seventy five this is an exhaustive compilation from all available sources of information interesting to navigators it contains besides a valuable summary of what is known at the time of its publication concerning the history and physical features of the country to which it relates in this publication the true character of the malaspina glacier was first recorded and its name proposed the description is as follows at point manby and eastward to the quick river the shore was bordered by trees apparently willows and alders with a somewhat denser belt a little farther back 
behind this rises a bluff or bank of high land as described by various navigators about the vicinity of tebenkoff's nearer point the trees cease and begin again near the river the bluff or tableland behind rises higher than the river valley and completely hides it from the southward and is in summer bare of vegetation except a few rare patches on its face and apparently is composed of glacial debris much of which is of a reddish color in may eighteen seventy four when observed by the u s coast survey party of that year the extensive flattened top of this tableland or plateau was covered with a smooth and even sheet of pure white snow in the latter part of june eighteen eighty however this snow had melted and for the first time the real and most extraordinary character of this plateau was revealed within the beach and extending in a northwesterly direction to the valley behind it at the foot of the st elias alps an undetermined distance this plateau or a large part of it is one great field of buried ice almost everywhere nothing is visible but boulders dirt and gravel but at the time mentioned back of the bite between point manby and nearer point for a space of several square miles the covering of dirt had fallen in owing to the melting of the ice beneath and revealed a surface of broken pinnacles of ice each crowned by a patch of dirt standing close to one another like a forest of prisms these decreasing in height from the summit of the plateau gradually in a sort of semicircular sweep toward the beach near which however the dirt and debris again predominate forming a sort of terminal moraine to this immense buried immovable glacier for it is nothing else trains of large boulders were visible here and there and the general trend of the glacier seemed to be northwest and southeast between disenchantment bay and the foot of mount st elias on the flanks of the alps seventeen glaciers are counted of which about ten were behind this plateau but none are of very large size and the sum total of them all seem far too little to supply the waste of the plateau if it were to possess motion the lower end of these small glaciers come down into the river valley before mentioned and at right angles in general to the trend of the plateau to the buried glacier the u s coast survey has applied the name of malaspina in honor of that distinguished and unfortunate explorer no connection could be seen between the small glaciers and the malaspina plateau as the former dip below the level of the summit of the latter the malaspina had no neve nor was there any high land in the direction of its axis as far as the eye could reach everywhere except where the pinnacles protruded and in a few spots on the face of the bluff it was covered with a thick stratum of soil gravel and stones here and there showing small patches of bright green herbage the bluff westward from port manby may probably prove of the same character mount cook and mount vancouver are named in the pacific coast pilot and their elevations and positions are definitely stated mount malaspina was also named but its position is not given during the expedition of last summer it was found impracticable to decide definitely to which peak the name of the great navigator was applied so existing nomenclature was followed as nearly as possible by attaching malaspina's name to a peak about eleven miles east of mount st elias its position is indicated on the accompanying map plate eight page seventy five several charts of the southern coast of alaska accompany the reports of the united states coast survey for eighteen seventy five referred to above a part of these have been independently published these charts were used in mapping the coastline as it appears on plate eight and were frequently consulted when writing the following pages new york times expedition eighteen eighty six 
an expedition sent out by the new york times in charge of lieutenant frederick schwatka for the purpose of making geographic explorations and climbing mount st elias left sitka on the u s s pinta on july tenth eighteen eighty six and reached yakutat bay two days later as it was found impracticable to obtain the necessary assistance from the indians to continue the voyage to icy bay whence the start inland was planned to be made captain n e nichols the commander of the pinta concluded to take the expedition to its destination in his vessel on july seventeenth a landing was made through the surf at icy bay and exploration at once began the party consisted of lieutenant schwatka in charge professor william libby jr and lieutenant h w seaton carr the camp hands were john dalton joseph woods and several indian packers from icy bay the expedition proceeded inland for about sixteen miles in a line leading nearly due north toward the summit of mount st elias the highest point reached seventy two hundred feet was on the foothills of the main range now called the carr hills the time occupied by the expedition after leaving icy bay was nine or ten days so far as known no systematic surveys were carried on an interesting account of this expedition appeared in seton carr's book the shores and alps of alaska many observations on the glaciers and the moraines of the region explored are recorded in this work the map published with it has been used in compiling the western portion of the map forming plate eight where the route of the expedition is indicated another account especially valuable for its records of scientific observations by professor libby was published by the american geographic society the guyot agassiz and tyndall glaciers the chase hills and lake castani received their names during this expedition lieutenant schwatka's graphic and entertaining account of this expedition published in the century magazine for april eighteen ninety one gives many details of the exploration and illustrates many of the characteristic features of southern alaska topham expedition eighteen eighty eight an expedition conducted by messrs w h and edward topham of london george brokaw of brussels and william williams of new york was made in eighteen eighty eight like the times expedition it had for its main object the ascent of mount st elias icy bay was reached by means of canoes from yakutat bay on july thirteenth and an inland journey was made northward which covered a large part of the area traversed by the previous expedition the highest elevation reached according to aneroid barometer and boiling point measurements was eleven thousand four hundred and sixty feet this was on the southern side of st elias the only accounts of this expedition which have come to my notice are an interesting article by william williams in scribner's magazine and a more detailed report by h w topham accompanied by a map and a fine illustration of mount st elias in the alpine journal this brief review of explorations carried on in the st elias region previous to the expedition sent out in eighteen ninety by the national geographic society is incomplete in many particulars but will indicate the most promising sources of information concerning the country described in the following pages. End of section 6